We're back for another episode of the Switchkick podcast. This is Ty Stott. I'm joined by the one and only Jake Bayliss. Jake, how's it going? It's going all right. Well, let's get straight into the thick of it. UFC Denver, marking the 25th anniversary of the company. They even went back to the old school graphics from back in the day, which was uh, kind of cool. I thought something different. I wanted to start by talking about the main event. Yair Rodriguez versus Chan Sung Jung, also known as the Korean Zombie. Wow. I mean, what a fight. Fight of the year candidate, possibly. Jake, do you want to talk us through the ending? Oh, man. Yes, please. I was trying to think all weekend whether that's the best uh, UFC KO I've seen. And I haven't I haven't been able to come up with the best one yet. I mean, I'm still open to being proved wrong, but I haven't come up with one yet. But yeah, the knockout itself. I mean, you're heading into the last five seconds, uh, like five seconds before that, they've done lifted their arms up, they're high-fiving each other and giving each other hugs and everything. And uh, in the last five seconds or so, Korean Zombie just lunges over, tries to land the shot, extends over, misses kind of, and just as his head reaches over Yaya's shoulder, he just pops up with an elbow, almost vertical, well, it was vertical, and just knocks Korean Zombie out with a second to go in the final round. And it was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, I definitely had the Korean Zombie up going into the last round. I had him winning the last round as well. So in my opinion, it was going to be a 4-1 decision or maybe 3-2 decision uh, to Chan Sung Jung. But Yair pulled it out of the bag. I mean, that has got to be the most unorthodox finish in UFC history. Nobody else has ever done that before. Nobody else will probably ever be able to do that again. I mean, Yair is great to watch, but uh, there is a but. He was losing that fight. And I want to get your opinion on this, Jake, because I think against an opponent that imposes relentless pressure from the get-go, Yair can be made to suffer. The Korean zombie moved forward, but it wasn't a ridiculous amount of pressure, but he was winning the fight. I think Yair needs space and time to sort of display that creativity and that dynamic sort of shot-picking that he does. Whereas if somebody comes out from the get-go putting on full-on pressure, I think he'll struggle against some of the top-level guys. What are your thoughts? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you basically summed up what I thought about it, to be honest, because I was watching it thinking I wanted Yaya to do well. I wanted him to win, if I'm being honest. But I was watching it and I was thinking, yeah, he looks good when he gets the chance. But like you say, because Korean Zombie would kept pressing forward, it didn't seem like uh, Rodriguez had the defence. He kept looking like he thought he did, like he was able to manage the Korean Zombie defensively, but he, he really couldn't. And like you say, I had Yaya losing the fight heading into the final round, and then I did think as well that he was losing the final round. So I think you are right against elite guys. I don't think he's there yet. Um, there's talk of like how far is he off a, a title shot or anything like that. I think me and you like to talk about you know what's up next for fighters and try and push them ahead. But I think with Yair, given this uh, long layoff as well, I think it's more of a case of we've got to keep building this kid up because he's he's not quite there yet, championship material, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be there in the future, I don't think. That being said, doesn't it make the fight against Zabit Magomed Sharipov sound even more exciting now? Now, stylistically, it, to me, it sounds like a perfect matchup because Zabit doesn't put on that crazy pressure. He's quite relaxed and calculated. 
So I think that that's going to be an incredible matchup. It's always going to be an intriguing one, that, because they are two of the, the very best young fighters in the UFC, let alone the featherweight division. Uh, what I will say is I was watching that and um, it made me less keen for the fight, uh, I've got to say, because I think if they if they paired up now, I think Zabita just get the better of him, if I'm being honest, quite easily, in fact. And I, th- I think because they're so young, that's always going to be a potential matchup we can have in the future when maybe the two are more polished. Having said that, if the UFC want to make it now, I'm not going to stop them because it's always going to be entertaining. Fair enough. Okay, so the co-main event, Cowboy Cerrone getting the job done in front of his home crowd. First round armbar win over Perry. I must say, I was almost... uh, emotionally invested in the fight i really wanted (laughs) cowboy to win especially after all the drama with the camps etc what were your thoughts yeah i was definitely on uh, donald's side i think after i think he was on joe rogan a couple of months ago and he was going through it all and it was hard not to feel sorry for him having said that i am a fan of uh, mike perry so i wasn't quite as invested in the fight on an emotional level, although I was keen to see what happened. And um, yeah, I think Mike Perry's took a lot of criticism for taking Cerrone down. I don't actually think there was a lot wrong with the takedown. I think he executed it pretty well. I think his mistake was going back in on his feet when Cerrone was on the ground. And ultimately, that's what led to the armbar finish. Cerrone's been talking about that he could hear the uh, arm crack as he put it in the hold and he just kept pulling on it, so he broke his arm. That does sound like a very uh, cowboy thing to say, and I do believe him on that. But it was an intense finish. I think, overall, it's what uh, Cowboy deserved, wasn't it? Definitely. I'm happy that Cowboy got the win. What do you think's next for Cowboy now? He said he's going back down to 155. Who do you think would be a good opponent for him? Yeah, I was looking at the uh, rankings earlier today, and I know that him and Justin Gaethje, but I was looking on MMA fighting not so long ago, and I saw that there's talk of... Gaethje pairing up with Anthony Pettis uh, next. So I was looking at the lightweight division and it's quite hard to see a a fight for him, if I'm being honest. I mean, Edson Barboza's paired up with Dan Hooker for the end of the year as well. And I I struggled to see a matchup for him. Maybe James Vick, I think that would be a good fight for him, but nothing really stands out. Do you have any any ideas on it? No, I don't really. It will be interesting to see who the UFC decide to give him. I think I'm um, um, I think 155 is a good move for him obviously he's struggled at 170. Yeah, we'll see what happens. With regards to Perry, does this lower his stock considerably? I don't think it lowers his stock now. I don't think listen, he's only lost to Cerrone. I say only. He just lost to Cerrone. It's not like a career-ending moment for him. Having said that, he is on a bad run. We all know that. But I think overall you you wouldn't want to be the next person that fights Mike Perry after this fight. I think he's guaranteed a win in his next fight, and I, I don't even know who it is yet. But <laughs> I'll put I'll put some uh, some money on that. Fair enough. Well, big congratulations to Donald Cerrone because with that win, he became the uh, fighter in the UFC with the most wins, which is uh, an incredible achievement if we look at all the talent we've had throughout the past twenty five years. The next fight on the card was uh, Jermaine Durandamy. She beat Raquel Pennington. A straightforward win. Pennington has been given beast after beast. She just fought for a, for a title beforehand against Amanda Nunes. So it will be interesting to see what's next for both of these fighters. I know Durandamy was stripped for refusing to defend her belt, but she is an interesting opponent for a lot of top-level fighters, in my opinion. Right, next up, uh, Benil Dariush with a dominant decision over Thiago Moises. What did you think of that one? 
Yeah, listen, I'm a I'm a fan of Dariush. Uh, I've seen again that he's got some criticism online for you know taking the fight to the floor and uh, just keeping it on the ground as much as he could. But I think Moises, uh, for the brief moments he had, demonstrated that he was a dangerous striker, maybe better on the feet than Dariush himself. And I think it was just an example of when he's got wrestling or when you've got a ground game compared to just a straightforward striker, you will have an advantage. And I think it might have not been the most fun fight on the card well definitely not considering some of the contenders we had but no I think it was a straightforward win I just don't understand sometimes when we when we see this criticism it might not be entertaining but that doesn't mean it wasn't good fight technique I suppose moving on to a very exciting prospect uh, Macy Barber finished Hannah Cyphers round two via strikes I watched her in Dana White's Tuesday night contender series a few months ago she looked really good and she looked good again at the weekend. Her confidence is something else. I mean, she's been saying that she's going to be champion very soon. She's so young. I think she's only 20. So what an incredible future she could have in front of her. Do you think she's the real deal? I think she definitely is. Everything I've seen from her, uh, everything she's said, the manner of the finish was brutal with those elbows, uh, cut Hannah Cyphers off all over the place. And even did my job for me because she, she even did a call out for Mackenzie Dern as well. Yeah. So that gets uh, fans interested straight away. You know, no numbers have come out or anything like that, but you can guarantee there was a lot of eyes on this card with it being the 25th anniversary and things like that. And people know who Macy Barber is now. And like you say, she's only 20, but she's got a countdown for the days to be the youngest ever UFC champion uh, that she keeps on her every day on her phone. So it just kind of tells you the mentality she's got. And I, I wouldn't want to be Mackenzie Dern, I don't think. She's the whole package. She's She's got the skills. She's young, so she's got an incredible future ahead of us. And she's making the right moves in terms of a marketing perspective by making that call out. I think that shows the caliber of, uh, well, the superstar material we could be dealing with in the future. So uh, hats off to her. The last fight on the main event, uh, Mike Trezano beat Luis Pena via split decision. Uh, I didn't see that coming. I thought Luis Pena was going to win. He looked good in his last fight. But there is no doubt, in my opinion, that uh, Trezano won that fight. I didn't score all three rounds for Trezano, like one of the judges, but I thought he got the win. What did you think of that one? Yeah, uh, definitely. I thought it was pretty straightforward with Trezano. I know you can sometimes get swung by commentary, but I was listening to Paul Felder talk about how frustrated Luis Pena looked like he was getting uh, during that fight because he just couldn't find his range. Uh, he's obviously a longer fighter than uh, Trezano, but he just couldn't land any of his shots. And he was definitely right on that. I think, you know, Paul Felder, aside from that, Paul Felder is one of the best commentators in the game. And he was uh, spot on with his analysis there. And yeah, it was a straightforward win for Trezano. Okay, side note here to all our listeners, if you're interested in football at all, there's an incredible podcast called the Game Time Podcast, so be sure to check that out. Here's a little advert. If you're looking for an in-depth football podcast that gets straight to the point with no messing around, then you've come to the right place. Oh, no! Oh, no, I just see it. That is awful. Go on, Belarus. (laughs) Or maybe not. But why not stick around anyway? Just search Game Time Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Anchor.fm to hear more of our lovely voices. If he pulls a hammy, I'm going round. I'm knocking Southgate out. Okay, moving on to MMA news. Misha Tate has actually decided to move to one championship as vice president, is it? I think that's right, yeah. 
a bold move. I mean, again, one championship in the headlines. Misha Tate, obviously, a you know a big figure in the MMA world. Do you think that's a good move for her? I think it will be. I believe anything she put to mind to really she's going to be good at she was a world champion she's a, a world-class analyst as well and i think if she believes she can do a good job over at one then i'm not going to be the one to doubt her although i don't know how much responsibility she has i know mma likes to give out these positions sometimes in name but not really doing very much but i don't think that'll be the case with me sure i think she will be quite hands-on but yeah it's an exciting time for one and uh let's just see what role she has to play Absolutely. Uh, another fight that you actually briefly mentioned earlier, Justin Gaethje against Anthony Pettis is being targeted for January, which I think is an interesting matchup and uh, obviously always stoked to see Gaethje fight. I mean, what an entertainer. Thoughts on that one? Yeah, the UFC, again, have matched Gaethje really well here. Pettis, we know if he's in with the right opponent, he's a very exciting fighter and Gaethje just can't walk backwards it seems or just won't if he can I don't know I've never seen him take a backwards step anywhere but no I think we're, we're on for another fight of the night fight of the year knockout performance from Justin Gaethje and what else would we expect yeah really looking forward to that one okay moving on to this weekend we've got a UFC in Argentina I believe it's the first time the UFC has ever been to Argentina the main event is Magni taking on Ponzinibbio Overall, what would your prediction be for that one? Personally, I've got it for Ponzinibbio. I think in his last two fights, uh, Neil Magny, he, ha he has won, but they've been against uh, Craig White at short notice uh, and Carlos Condit, who didn't look anything like his former self either. Whereas Ponzinibbio just keeps having great wins against high-level opponents. So you've got Mike Perry uh, was his last fight, but Gunnar Nelson and Nordin Taleb under that and... Zach Cummins and Court McGee as well. I think the only problem with Ponzinibbio is he never takes full advantage, really, after a, after a big win in terms of getting that next-level opponent. But I, I do believe he's right up there in terms of the welterweight division. And, uh, yeah, I've got it I've got it for Ponzinibbio. What about yourself? Yeah, I agree. I think Ponzinibbio should get the win. And also, obviously, he'll have the support advantage over in Argentina. So I'm looking forward to that one. Overall, I don't think this is really the strongest card that we've had in the year, uh, definitely at the at the bottom end of things. Co-main event, uh, Ricardo Lamas taking on Elkins. Um, any preference in that one? Any favourite? I think I'm going to go for Elkins in this one. I know he lost to Volkanovski in his last fight, but underneath that, I mean, wins over Michael Johnson, Dennis Bermudez, Misad Bektic, whereas Ricardo Lamas in his last two lost to Josh Emmett and Misad Bektic himself. Obviously, in that Emmett fight, I think Emmett was way overweight in that one and uh, managed to get a knockout. Not to say that Lamas is a bad fighter or anything off his best or anything like that, but I think Elkins does get the job done on this. All right, then. Anything else worth mentioning? Anything else you'd like to discuss on that card, Jake? Well, I'm a big fan of Khalil Roundtree. I don't know much about his opponent. I think he was on Contender Series Brazil. Um, but I think he's, uh, he's one to watch out for on the light heavyweight division. And also, you've got the uh, return of Cynthia Calvillo, who uh, last fought. She lost to Carla Esparza in the last fight, but she looked really exciting before that. So it'd be interesting to see how she comes back. Like you say, not the uh, best quality card we've had all year. Yeah, Calvillo was getting a quite a big push by the UFC as well. So let's see how much that loss to Carla Sparza has affected her. 
that will definitely be one of the fights to look out for on that card. Excellent, Jake. Well, um, thanks once again. It's been good uh, getting back into the booth and, and recording another podcast. And uh, we'll speak again next week. Yeah, sounds great, man. All right. Take care, Jake. Okay, on to the next section of the Switchkick podcast. I'm joined by John from Martian MMA in Philadelphia. John, how's it going? Uh, great to be back on the Switchkick podcast. We've got this UFC card in Argentina coming up. Probably not the most entertaining of cards this year, but uh, there's always some prospects out there in terms of making a bit of money. Any thoughts on the main card, on any value bets or anything you'd recommend? Yeah, I agree with your assessment. It's a little underwhelming, and even at first, the odds might seem a little underwhelming at first. But after some uh, some tape study and some analysis on these ones, I think there's some pretty good spots to be made here. Um, on the on the main card on this one, I wouldn't say there's as much. I think the prelims have a few hidden gems on them. Uh, in terms of the main card, though, uh, the bet I like the most is uh, Ricardo Lamas by decision. I got that around uh, plus 122. It was actually around plus 100 earlier, so it seems to be getting a little bit better of a price. Uh, I think that he, he should beat Elkins you know, very easily. Uh, he, he's a very well-rounded grappler and hits very hard. And it, Elkins is, you know, tough as nails, hard to finish. So I think it's going to be a clear Lamas decision in that one. Okay. On the main card, I also see, uh, you know, Johnny Walker maybe having some uh, some success in rounds two and three against Khalil Roundtree. Uh, Roundtree gets really, really tired. So I think that if you're looking to bet that fight, then I would uh, sprinkle a little bit on uh, Walker in, in rounds two or three to get the win. And moving on to the prelims, do you, you said that there might be a couple of hidden gems on there? Yeah, I think uh, unfortunately, I think one of them is a little bit of a is is gone now. One of the, uh, that's Hector Aldana. He opened up as a I believe plus two forty underdog, and he's all the way down to minus one fifteen now. So just an unreal line movement on him. People have been betting on him all week, and uh, he's now down to a favorite. So uh, unfortunately, he missed out on that on that dog money. But yeah, he's facing a guy uh, making his UFC debut, Moreno Strapoli, who just looks very very sloppy and uh, unpolished while Aldana has been in the UFC hasn't really you know gotten uh, his full stride but uh, he, I think that he's he should be due to get a win in this one perfect and uh, anything else on that card like in uh, Bartos Fabinski to get the win over uh, Michel Pizarris. Michel Pizarris is uh, a 5'6 uh, lightweight moving up to welterweight in this one because he had some trouble making weight uh, consistently for lightweight. So uh, we're now looking at a fight between a 5'6 fighter and a 6'2 fighter in this one. So, you know, an 8-inch reach and height advantage is just you know, almost unreal in MMA. It's going to be a real spectacle to see that stare down. Um, cause, and, uh, I think that Fabinski will have a lot of success in this one. I think he will, um, take, uh, take this fight to the ground. I think that he will be relentless with his takedowns. He's got, I think like 21 takedowns in this three UFC fights so far. So there's no doubt that he's going to be looking to, to wrestle. And I don't think that, uh, Pizarus will be able to stop that. So I think that Pizarus is, uh, his win streak. He's on a seven fight win streak in the UFC. Amazingly. Uh, I think that will come to an end on Saturday night. And I also think that that win streak is playing into him being a favorite. So I think that uh, Fabianinski is a great bet at plus 165. Excellent. Well, that's great, John. Once again, thank you so much for joining us and giving us your insight. Could you please remind our listeners out there if they want to listen to more of your content or follow you on Twitter where they can go? 
So after you listen to the Switch Kick podcast, you can check out my podcast, which is called Martian MMA on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. I will have my own uh, UFC Fight Night 140 analysis coming out in the next 24 hours. So keep an eye out for that. And Ty, thanks for having me as always, my man. And I'll see you next week. Excellent. See you next week, man. The Switch Kick Podcast.